His origin was a mystery. His skin was grayscale. His life was cut short. These are tales from Riftdale. I apologize for abruptly ending my broadcast one hour ago, but I had an unexpected guest. But before I explain, I have a story to tell you. A story of a monster with nothing to lose, a young police officer willing to lose, and a man who's already lost everything. A little over one year ago, two men arrived in Riftdale. The monochrome men. Recognizable by their distinct grayscale clothing and skin. The monochrome men were police officers from Riftdale, but not here. Here was familiar, yet different. But the monochrome men, one junior police officer and one senior police officer, had their records on file here. And so they made here their new home. Listeners, if you tuned into my previous broadcast one hour ago, then you are already familiar with one of the monochrome men. The older of the two. He is often referred to as the chief. Although he is not actually a police chief. His real name is... Oh, uh, sorry about the noise, listeners. I forgot I had my Keurig brand coffee brewer set to make a cup of coffee at this exact hour. I guess they really weren't lying when they marketed this new auto-brew feature with the motto, Always exactly on time. Even when it's conveniently inconvenient. Anyway, where was I? Right, right. The Chief. At the end of my last broadcast, the Chief paid me a visit. He threatened to shoot me, unless I did exactly as he said. Although, after he had a quick look around the room, I think he realized that someone living in these conditions clearly isn't motivated by self-preservation. He was therefore forced to negotiate with me to see if both of us could help each other. And through this conversation, I began to realize that the chief has a very dark past. A dark past filled to the brim with loss. And as it turns out, he recently lost again. 
The chief is the man in our story who's already lost everything. <sighs> Riftdale, we have all collectively forgotten about someone. Police Cadet John Smith, the younger of the two monochrome men, was well known among Riftdale citizens. In his short time here, he managed to befriend many of us and become known as the nicest officer on the Riftdale police force. He rarely, if ever, drew his firearm, preferred to only issue warnings, and infamously suggested the precinct begin using fuzzy handcuffs. In his words, No, really, the metal on the handcuffs hurts your wrists. Why are you all laughing? Stop laughing! Smith was buried only weeks ago. The chief asked personally that I tell Smith's story on the broadcast, because, you see, despite his popularity in Riftdale, the police cadet's funeral only saw an attendance of one man. The chief. No one else in the precinct, or Riftdale at large, seems to remember who John Smith was. Frankly, part of me thought the chief might be lying to me to make me look like a fool on the air. That is, until he showed me that he still carries Smith's badge as a memento of the closest thing to a son that he's ever had. Smith was murdered in the line of duty. He was willing to sacrifice himself to save a monster, even when the monster didn't want to be saved. Police cadet John Smith is the young police officer who was willing to lose. <sighs> Listeners, I'm going to take a brief pause on this story. We have a caller on the line waiting. As always, I encourage all of you to call in anytime you feel you may have information that I do not. Caller 1, you are on the air. He was never meant to die. What? Police Cadet John Smith. He was never meant to die. What do you mean, meant to die? And why does your voice sound like that? Is that text-to-speech? I can't risk them recognizing my voice. But I need you to know that the plan backfired. Police Cadet John Smith was an unintended casualty. What plan? I need more information, Caller One. You aren't making any sense. The police cadet was never meant to die in the plan. The plan's final step involved his partner arresting the pist. The... pist? The prince. Shit. The prince? What prince? Who are you talking about? The final step was the chief arresting the presto. I don't understand what's happening right now. Why can't I type today? The priest. The priest. 
the goddamned priest. The plan involved the asshole priest being apprehended by the chief. I apologize for swearing. The priest. I see. So you're saying there was a plan for that fateful night, the night the young police cadet was killed. Yes. We made an anonymous call to the police. We knew where the priest was. We wanted to be rid of him. We didn't want any loose ends. But the chief told me that the anonymous call was very ambiguous. That it was just a generic noise complaint call. That if he had known that it were a call about the priest, that he'd have made sure to bring his gun. That they would have been more prepared. Caller 1, are you still there? Why was the call kept non-specific if the goal was to take down the priest? I don't know. He never told us. And who is he? Oculus. Oculus. Why is that name so foreign yet so familiar? Uh, hello? Caller 1? They hung up. The priest. The priest. Listeners, the priest happens to be the final character in our story. The monochrome men had been tracking someone down in the months leading up to the night that the younger of the two died. A man with few good morals and even fewer good hygiene practices. A man who will just as quickly con you verbally as rob you physically. This man is Christian. Uh, rather, his name is Christian. I'm unsure of what religion he belongs to, if any. Although he does, however, wear a clergyman's shirt and use religion in some of his scams, look, what I'm saying is, he's Christian. But he may not be Christian. Does that make sense? A Christian, otherwise known as the priest, is a skilled conman and experienced armed robber. His list of criminal charges range from several counts of fraud to an unfathomable number of murders in the second degree, non-premeditated and completely reckless. For these reasons, the monochrome men had been hunting the priest down for months. However, according to the chief, other members of the precinct eventually began forgetting about the priest's case. Only the chief and the cadet reliably remembered, despite the absurd size of Christian's file. Eventually, the chief and the cadet found the priest by accident when responding to an anonymous call about a noise complaint. Unfortunately, assuming this was just a typical domestic disturbance, the chief accidentally forgot his gun on his desk at the police station. So, when the inevitable standoff occurred between the priest and the monochrome men, police cadet John Smith could not bring himself to fire his gun. 
opting instead to attempt to reason with the priest in order to save his life. Instead, this decision cost Smith his. Christian the priest shot the only armed officer there, Smith the cadet, and then fled into the night. Christian the priest is the monster with nothing to lose. And so that brings us to today. The chief now hunts the priest tirelessly. He no longer reports to the RDPD, he no longer reports to anyone but himself. Unfortunately for the chief, the last sighting of the priest publicly was one week ago at Pete's Pizza, where the priest reportedly arrived and hurriedly burst into Pete's office, declaring that Pete owed him a favor. All was silent throughout the restaurant. No one dared follow the priest into Pete's office. Or rather, should I say the manager's office. You see, Pete's Pizza was and still is under new management. All anyone could hear coming from the office was a one-sided conversation from the new manager. After a short time, the priest then burst back out of the office, screaming, both hands bleeding at the palms and a crown of thorns upon his head. He ran, screaming, into the night, and hasn't been seen since. And so the trail to the priest has grown cold. And now it's time that I fulfill my end of the agreement between me and the chief. Attention, Eye of the Rift. That's right, I know the name of your organization now. And I also know, because of your threats, that you've been listening to this broadcast. Well, the chief wants to make a deal. He's waiting for you. That's it, listeners. In exchange for all of this information, I told the chief that I would make that simple declaration on the air. You see, the chief interrogated one of the priest's friends earlier this evening, and now he's desperately following the one lead he has. That the priest was involved with the organization that I've been working to expose. The Eye of the Rift. Good luck, monochrome man. You're going to need it. It looks like I have another caller waiting. Well, let's not waste any time. Hello, caller two, you are on the air. Claire! Oh my god, amazing episode, by the way. I was listening earlier, and you're like, totally killing it with this writing. Stacy? How do you always happen to be my second caller? Also, for the last time, this is a non-scripted, non-fiction broadcast. Whatever! Look, I need your help, okay? You said you 
Becky anywhere? I can't find her, and it's starting to, like, really freak me out. Becky, isn't that the girl that you're always with? The quiet one. Yas, bitch, the hot one. She's my girlfriend. Oh, she's your girlfriend. In hindsight, I probably should have figured that out sooner. (laughs) Why did you think we were always together? I figured she was your closest friend. You do seem to have a lot of female friends. Um, yeah, but I don't kiss them. Oh. My. God. Did you really not know? I thought she was a... really close friend? Yikes, Claire. For a smart guy, you're a really stupid bitch. Oh, come on. I have much more important things to worry about, okay? Like, I thought I was oblivious, but damn. I even told you we were on a date night. Oh my god, don't tell me you thought friends go on dates together. I... haven't had... I haven't had many friendships, okay? There, I said it. Pitch, how do you somehow keep making this more pathetic? Alright, I'm gonna hang up on you. No, wait! I'm, I'm sorry, that's just, like, stupidly sad. Me, Becky, and the other girls have got to take you out for fraps sometime. Anyway, yeah, Becky, have you seen her? We were heading back home from our date night, but I lost her in the crowd in the subway. And now either she's, like, totally ghosting me, or her phone is dead. Um, no, I'm not seeing her in any of my feeds in downtown Riftdale. I'll be sure to let you know if I find her, Stacy. However, right now I need to go, because it looks like I have a third caller. That's unusual. Normally I'm lucky to get... Thanks, bitch. Love you. Uh, goodbye, Stacy. And caller three, you are on the air. Agent Clairvoyance. End the broadcast. It is time we had a chat. Uh, listeners, I'm going to end this broadcast now. Never forget, Riftdale. Never forget. No police cadets were harmed in the making of Tales from Riftdale. Although, one police cadet was given a very quick and nearly painless death. Hi, my name's Ben, and I write and produce Tales from Riftdale as well as voice clairvoyance. The voice of the skittish caller 1 was provided by the modern magic of text-to-speech. The voice of Stacy is provided by Riley. Make sure to follow her art Instagram, shamedumpster. Want to be a guest caller on Tales from Riftdale? Follow at Benjaminitz on Twitter. You may just find what you're looking for. All TFR music is provided by Witch Doctor, who can be found at witchdoctor.bandcamp.com. Or all the links I just mentioned will be in the description. Hey, uh, you're not one of those weirdos who hasn't shared tales from Riftdale with your friends, are you? Uh, sure hope not, because then I couldn't afford to be seen with you. Oh, and thanks for listening.